0: Allow Facebook to track your activity across other companies' apps and websites? That is the question users get when installing Facebook on iPhones running the latest iOS 14. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we are preparing for users to respond, ask app not to track. Welcome to In Camera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? Good, Grace. Thank you so much for asking. And week number two, 2021, right? I keep on saying this. I know I sound like a broken record. It already feels like we've been in this year for six months at least, but it's just week number two, Grace. And how are you feeling about 2021 so far? Same. I mean, it does feel like we're already six months
1: in with everything that went on and has been going on for the last few weeks or week
0: and a, and mm-hmm. a half. Two yeah, weeks. <laughs> it has. Right. And there is a lot going on. It's not just uh, in terms of the political environment around us, but it's also in the legal world. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about this week is about the comeback of three um, mass torts that kind of like have been in the shadows for the past few months. Or maybe longer you'll tell us better and now there seem to be having some sort of a comeback right right yeah and grace i know you are looking at this weird stuff that i'm drinking it is yeah i know it looks weird and odd for those who of course cannot see this because they're listening to it as a podcast it's a green juice and grace believe it or not i'm on a 12 i'm on a 14 day juice cleanse this is day number 12 so yeah It's green juice. I know it doesn't look great, but it's healthy and it doesn't taste bad. It's actually quite delicious. I like it. (laughs) But enough of that. Let's move on into our our first conversation for today, Grace. And it's going to be about how some brands reacted to really the events of last week and again when you're going to be listening to this podcast it's going to be almost two weeks since that happened but we're stormi- We're talking about the storming of the capital and uh, what we saw Grace is that many brands not particularly on the legal industry but in general stopped their advertising particularly in platforms like Facebook right after these events Grace and Of course, the main reason why brands do this at times is because um, they don't want to come across as tone deaf with what's happening in the country, kind of like trying to push their business agenda when everybody else is thinking about other things. And it's quite a valid point. But then again, I think when it comes down to law firm's grades, it's all about understanding who your buyer persona is. Because if they still need your help, right, they're still living your lives. They're still going through certain situations. If they still need your help, then by all means, it's 100% relevant for your ads to continue to being up. What do you think about that so far, Grace?
1: 100%. I mean, I feel the same way. You know, if I get into a car accident as the simplest example possible, I'm still going to need a lawyer. And no matter what's happening around me, I still need help. So yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent, Leo.
0: Now, if you do see yourself amongst those law firms that do feel that you know because of their speech and voice and message, if they particularly if you've taken a political stand, you feel that it's appropriate for you to actually say something about it. Well, then you don't have to completely stop your ads. What you need to do is have a system in place to to quickly shift the message away from your actual business agenda to other more community-centered messaging and promote that. Right, Grace? Right. Just like we saw, um, I'm going to use as an example, the first few months of COVID, when we saw a lot of law firms changing their billboards, changing their Google ads, their Facebook ads, creative, to highlight first responders and first-line workers. It just completely changed the messaging, but it was still a message from the actual law firm or brand. And so if one thing we have learned over the past 12 months is that we have to have those crisis response measures planned out and set so whenever something like this happens, you're not panicking and trying to decide should I do or not do anything or you, and you just let it slip and slide and do nothing when you in reality would have wanted it to actually do something, right? And so that is why it's important to plan these things ahead. Of course, you cannot know what's going to be the next thing to happen, to erupt, that's going to uh, disrupt our days and lives as we know them but you can know how you want to respond when that happens and then craft that message when that time gets as it is, as it's needed. But at least having a plan in place is going to help you. So um, obviously, how do you do this, Grace? Well, I mean, obviously you need to assign responsibilities and they need to be covering basically everything, right? From who's monitoring, what kind of events are triggering events, and then a set of actions as to what happens when one of those things gets triggered, whose responsibility is gonna be to stop the current ads, whose responsibility is gonna be to create a new ad, who's gonna have to gather it to talk and discuss, and who's gonna have to approve the new creatives before they go live. So as long as all of those things are well-structured ahead of time, then it should be no, that much of a difficulty and a challenge when these things arise. What do you think?
1: So yeah, I completely agree with you. People, I think, think of crisis response management as a big enterprise type of thing, but it doesn't have to be, you know? I I mean, something as simple as, you know, I'm here in Florida, right? We have a crisis management plan for hurricanes, right? What kind of communications have to go out, what the phone tree looks like, and that's all the same kind of thing. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, El, you just, you need to have something in place with, you know, responsibilities and accountability, But you need to have it in place so that you can be as agile as you need to be when things like this happen.
0: Absolutely, Grace. I totally agree with you. You need to plan this out and embed this process into your business crisis management plan. So, Grace, before we move away from this conversation, I want to create a little gap for us to just touch on another important point. Because when we're looking at this particular uh, response that certain business and brands have had, right, we're primarily talking about ads running in Facebook. And the reason why I wanna take a moment here to reflect on why uh, Facebook is the platform where brands felt that they had to take action uh, primarily. Well, I think it's because the way it's targeting its ads right and what the platform has become as a whole and it's extremely important that you understand who your buyer persona is to really anticipate how they how will they respond to your ads in this platform i am seeing grace a growing number of hostility towards a, a lawyer and law firm ads in facebook they're not welcome right And here is one of the things that I think is triggering these issues. It's because of the ad placement. You really have no control as to what is showing before and after your ad. And the reality is that if your ad is showing between two flags being burned, well, you're going to get some bad reactions, right? Because unfortunately, there's going to be some sort of triggering event happening right before your ad is coming up or right after your ad has been seen. And don't be surprised if then that hostility gets funneled towards you. And so that's one of those moments where you really need to uh, revisit your marketing plan and just un- understand, yeah, we get it that Facebook makes it very easy to put ads and we, and we get it that the um, segmentation is uh, tremendous. But is it actually useful and worth for your law firm grace? I can tell you, I can tell you. For my clients, it's a must, right? It's a must. They cannot not be there. But I do also see that it's not the case for every other law firm. So that's one of the things that I think these uh, recent week's events should make us all see and wonder, analyze what is the response that you're getting from your Facebook ads and whether it's actually yielding re- the results that you uh, want. What do you think? So
1: it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because, uh, just this week, maybe perhaps early or end of last week, I had that exact question from, uh, an attorney who's been around for a while in terms of, you know, practicing, but with larger firms, right? They, they came from pretty big firms and for the last 20 years, she, um, actually was asking me that specifically, what social media platforms should I spend my time on and where do you think it's worthwhile and my question in return was what are your goals right and her goals were to get known because she's opened her own practice and then secondly to create um, a better referral network so from hearing those two goals what would you think leo right facebook for getting a little more awareness and at least coming up and then secondly linkedin for the referral network so i agree with you completely there are it's not easy for law firms to decide not to be on Facebook. So it, there has to be a hyper-focused like hyper focused plan on what you're going to do on Facebook and you need somebody who's accountable to make sure your ad doesn't pop up between two yeah. burning flags, like you said. And
0: the, and, the, and the messaging, Grace. The messaging so important, yeah. right? So important, not being so on, on your face and, you know, particularly generic stuff. I think... Facebook still has a lot of potential and it's all about putting and centering the message around the actual user, making it relevant, touching emotion. Right. That's what's going to make you stand out, Grace, right? right? Just as I've said, bringing the business agenda to the platform, not a good, mm-hmm. not a good uh, practice as a whole. Now, Grace, there's another element to this, which we're not going to really dive in into great detail right now, but that's the iOS 14 update which will now prompt users to specifically authorize what kind of information facebook will have access when the app is being installed into an ios device ios device standing as an iphone right so whereas before facebook was having a lot of access to information that was happening in other applications aside of facebook itself which was actually a great tool for marketeers because we were able to track a lot of actions that were happening beyond what was happening on Facebook, right? And so now users really have the chance to select and choose to opt out from being tracked on other platforms and limit what data Facebook gets from them. And as you can guess, Grace, most of users will opt out and will not allow Facebook to have access to all of this data. And so this will be game-changing in the way as to what things are we going to be able to measure and uh, whether I think it's going to be 100% super disruptive to Facebook as as an advertising platform. I really don't think so that much. I still think that it has a lot of... Potential, even without being able to give granular analytics as it was giving now, uh, we're probably going to be seeing ourselves shifting more to to a more statistical, data-oriented kind of reporting, but still something to keep into consideration. Because one thing, and we talked about it last year many, many, many times, it's that some sort of regulation is going to come whether it's gonna be government-enforced or whether it's gonna be by the own initiative of the big four, right? Which is Amazon, Google, Facebook and Apple. And we're already seeing it happen, right? This is an Apple initiative and Apple have a very clear agenda about protecting privacy. And this is the first step that they're taking. We know that something may come through as well when it comes down to search. So there is a lot of disruption expected under privacy and targeting for advertising so with that being said i also want to say it's another idea separated to that which is a good reminder about diversifying right because this kind of dilemma should i pull my advertising from facebook yes or no you shouldn't really have it for google ads right particularly the search network but first let's look at the display network. First of all, display network, you have a very granular control of ad placement, if you want. Not a lot of people really put a lot of attention where their ads get seen on the display network, but you can actually control and you can block sites and you can block uh, and you can choose specifically when you're, where your ads want to be see, uh, are going to be seen. So that's one. Number two, on the search network itself, you're actually showing your ads to people who actually are searching for what you are doing for the services that you provide. So, You know, as we were saying, Grace, you know, I'm I'm going back to your response. is like, people who still get involved in car accidents, they're still going to need a lawyer. Well, now you can actually choose through the search network to only show ads to people who are actually actively seeking for a lawyer because they've been involved in a car accident. And so that's why you don't have these kind of issues on the search network, because you're only going to be showing ads to people who actually want to see them. So that is why I think diversifying and making sure that you have different campaigns in different platforms is critical. But the search network is the golden rule. What do you think?
1: I agree with you again, as usual. <laughs> I don't think we d- disagree very often, Leo. Um, Yes, I think that this, people don't understand that they can choose and diversify their marketing strategy in a way that is beneficial to them. Right, that that they don't need to throw all their money into one particular platform, so that when it drops drastically or you know things change, like they tend to do, particularly in Facebook, right, it, in terms of cost and whatever happens. Like as a good example during um, the elections. How 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 much did that increase, right? You, I'm sure you saw that, how expensive the ads became on Facebook and all of that. So, you know, if people didn't have a diversified strategy at that point, they could basically have yeah. had no ads going out at that time.
0: It was certainly not fun for law firms in Georgia for the past couple of months. So, no. um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah imagine tv advertising it's just like wow
1: yeah it was crazy
0: but but that's why it's important to have a well multi-channel structured strategy so you can shift away from platforms that are underperforming or they're not just the right platform for your messaging at a particular point because it's possible right not everything has to have the same rich effect and results throughout the entire year it's just the way it is now grace Let's move on to the next and second part of this conversation, which is master's. Because that's another evolving and constantly changing part of the legal world. And I was very surprised yesterday when you and I were preparing for this episode, when you mentioned that three master's have actually come back from the shadows to claim a piece of attention for any serious law firm doing master's, so do you mind sharing a little bit about uh, with us about which master's are these and why should we be paying attention now? Yes.
1: So um, there's one. It's actually out of the three, two have been out. One is kind of coming back a little bit, and the third one is new. Um, I, I don't think actually I'm almost 100 sure it's not quite a mass tort yet but um so let's go over from the first right the first one that I have on here is Truvada for those of you that don't know Truvada has been around for a while Um, it's a HIV drug that has been alleged to cause kidney and bone disease or additional kidney and bone disease in addition to the fact that they already have HIV right so um, we know that a lot of these drugs do tend to uh, cause certain issues in the body to begin with, but this is causing a severe uh, potential kidney and bone uh, loss. So that's Truvada. That one's been around for a couple of years now, actually. And um, I just kind of saw it come back up on the radar uh, at the beginning of this year. You know, a couple of uh, law firms have been interested in that particular mass tort. Any that's questions yeah, about
0: it? No, <laughs> that's interesting. Actually, I am familiar with the... Um... Medicine, uh, not with the master itself. So we're in the cycle of the master. This is standing grace. Have there been already settlements for lawsuits on Trubata? Do we know?
1: So yes, the currently there's a an MDL, which is basically that's what makes it or at that point is when you know it's a mass tort for a fact. And that's when it comes to multi multi multi-district litigation, which is called an MDL. Again, guys, just so you know, I am not an attorney. I just, you know, follow the um, litigation and what's going on with the different mass torts because of leaders in mass torts, the organization that um, Edward Lake owns. So um, they have the multi-district litigation in the Northern district of California. That's the federal court that it's being held in currently. And at this point, once it becomes a, an MDL, then it can kind of track from there in terms of um, settlements and things of that nature. I, at this moment, cannot tell you exactly where we are in terms of the settlements for Truvada, um, only because I just recently picked it back up. Um, so... Let's see. Hold on. I just I'm looking over something right now. To we have white papers and different types of white papers on it. So I just want to briefly review this. If you want to go ahead and say ask me any other questions while I look at this, please do. <laughs> of course, please. <laughs>
0: So Trovata is one, right? Right. Now, um, let's, let's move into the second one, Grace, and then you can fill us in a little bit on um, what additional data you have on Trovata that you can share. Of course, we understand that this is all recent, right? These have been shifts that have happened over the past few weeks. And so, of course, these are early stages of something that has been ongoing, but still just gaining again some sort of momentum. Right now, um, tell me a little bit about Elmiron. So Elmiron, that
1: it's a very interesting situation with that one. So apparently, the discovery rule came out in 2018, which means people were become became aware um, in the public the fact that Elmiron it's a bladder uh, excuse me a bladder medication. Um, apparently, the bladder medication is causing vision damage primarily in women um, and in women with no previous eye issues in their entire life. So it's causing blindness, uh, blurry vision, um, blind spots, uh, wavy lines in the vision, and specifically uh, macular degeneration, so maculopathy. Um, apparently, this is a, it's a very interesting situation with this one because the public isn't very aware of this drug. And I actually happened to go visit my macula specialist just by chance because um, when I went to the eye doctor just for glasses, I don't go to like a specific eye doctor. I just go to get my glasses at uh, close by America's Best Eyewear. It here for us. It's two glasses for sixty nine ninety five and a free eye exam. Okay.
0: Good deal, Grace. Can beat that. No.
1: So the reason I'm mentioning that is because when i go all that's all i do and i pay a little bit extra maybe 20 bucks to get the um the puff test where they check your eye to make sure it reacts properly and then and then the 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 additional 20 bucks that
0: hurts that that test hurts it's very uncomfortable right it is yeah they irritate your your like your retina or your something right it's horrible i don't like it exactly and then they do the dilation right but but I do take it ah huh? I do take it yeah they do the dilation that's that's the one yes they put these these very very uh, itchy drops wrong <laughs> drops correct yeah yes so and then,
1: but if you yeah. don't pay for that or if you don't have glasses or if you've never been to the eye doctor how would you know that you have macula. Macular issues. You don't. Yeah. So I didn't know that. I mean, I went in and I had the test. I added the the eye drops, and they found when they showed my my eyeball (laughs) on the screen, they were showing me my macula, and that my macula was having some issues. I never would have known that if I hadn't done the additional test. So let's start there. If you're a person with eye vision or vision issues to begin with, you know you need glasses you're not going necessarily to an ophthalmologist or a macula specialist, definitely not a macula specialist. I had to be referred to the macula specialist. So there's a whole uh, layer, multiple layers of problems with Elmiron in particular. There's no awareness of it. And then when I spoke to my macula uh, doctor, she said she had never heard of Elmiron and that it was affecting vision. So from the doctor to the consumer and they just don't understand that this is what is potentially causing their vision issues so it's been around for only about two years um since and remind me again so
0: what is what is the medication uh prescribed for what is bladder fix
1: your bladder so it's a bladder drug to help you with um you know bladder issues that you may have wow yep right so how would you make that connection so that, that's been a little bit of a, a bear for us in terms of having to build out campaigns and things of that nature, because y- you have to start with three, six months of brand awareness, basically, you know, for lack of a better yeah. term, it's tort awareness, really.
0: Yeah, 100%. percent can skip that part. Very, very, very necessary. Educate your audience. Exactly. But still, a lot can be done in targeting. And 100%, yes. I would start with um, eyeglass wearing, right? Mm-hmm. Start there. They're, they're the ones who are going to find out about it first. They're the ones who are going to potentially associate the terminology first before than anybody else. Yes,
1: but this is the issue with it. The criteria states that if you're over the age of 50 and the doctor diagnoses you with an eye issue and you took Elmeron, it has to be that you've never had eye issues before. The science is solid on it, don't get me wrong. But if you had vision issues like you and I have just regular, we wear glasses, that's considered vision issues
0: yeah so so grace you you see that's what i love about mass and campaigns is that the criteria it's building for you the buyer persona like no other marketer can do it right like all of those parameters that you're getting from the actual master criteria itself is basically doing the segmentation for you on facebook exactly And that's why it works. That's why Facebook is such a powerful platform for masters. But you cannot skip and get lazy with the actual content part of it. Your creatives need to be good, need to be powerful. They need to trigger emotion for them to actually stand out and be received in the way that you're expecting them to be received. Grace, I honestly um, think it's, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I, I did not know about this medication and the consequences that it caused Myron. Okay, well, now I know. Now we have one more, Grace. Penumbra. So
1: this one is brand spanking new. It just came out in terms of a mass tort potential,
0: right? So th- oh, so this, So this one is not a comeback. <laughs> this one is like a new arrival. Correct. So...
1: Penumbra issued an urgent voluntary recall. So for those of you that may not necessarily know about mass torts and sort of the levels of, uh, recalls, a voluntary recall is they found something wrong, the FDA had enough client adverse reported actions on that particular device, drug or whatever happened. And they then said, Hey, you have a lot of problems with this particular drug device or issue. So you can recall on your own, or we can potentially force you to recall. So a voluntary recall is them saying, we know there's something wrong, we we let the FDA know we're pulling this off the shelves. Right? So Penumbra is actually a catheter and it has this particular tip on it. And uh, according to a December 15, 2020 FDA notification, Penumbra recalled the JET7 Extra Flex. it's particular models, right, of this device, uh, because the catheter may become sus- susceptible to distal tip damage during use. So the tip of the catheter could be damaged during use, which if anybody's ever had to deal with surgery or use catheters in any way, shape, or form, knows that that is obviously a serious, serious issue. Um, so... There's, a part, there's some models that are involved um, in this particular device. It is the JET7 extra flex catheter, um, originally cleared under uh, a specific uh, regulation on June 16, 2019. So as you can hear, these are very, very, very new. And the JET7 max configuration, which includes the JET7 uh, extra flex catheter and max delivery device. And that one was cleared on February 27, 2020.
0: Sounds like a muscle building exercise machine for home. It sure
1: does, right? But
0: (laughs) hard to believe that it's actually a device that uh, apparently is causing harm.
1: So the injuries that it's causing, because I know that's usually criteria, right? Injuries it's causing is, uh, and now the list is death, because it's something embedded in you, pretty much. Blood vessel damage, cerebral infarction, or infraction, a stroke and hemorrhage
0: so pretty terrible yes
1: severe extremely severe hence the voluntary recall yeah i mean
0: how many people have this type of this issue device yeah what are are there are there estimates
1: so i could potentially give you the adverse events that's usually how it happens right there's a critical mass that's kind of what they call it a critical mass of people reporting enough of the same issues over and over again to the FDA through their client adverse reporting system. So that's how it came about. And that's what they do is they just, they basically have enough of a, I forget what the, the, the threshold is, but there's a threshold for however many people claim that this is a problem. It goes directly back to the FDA approved device, drug or whatever in the company. And then the company has to make that decision to either voluntarily recall or get it recalled by the FDA. So I can't give you Got an it. exact number at this yeah. moment, but yes, it's, it's enough of a, of a mass for the FDA to say something.
0: Well, Grace, that's actually really interesting. Thank you for sharing and putting this new and already existing mass towards on our radar, on our radar. And I think, Grace, we're ready for takeaways. Alrighty. Unless you have anything else you want to share about Truvada.
1: Um, not Truvada. So I went and took a look and I do see a little bit of information, but Truvada has been out for a while. And the last time that there was some kind of um, notice was not legally, but just in general, it was 2010 in terms of mm-hmm. them figuring out that that was causing um, more severe bone injury and uh, kidney injuries than the other drug that came out around the same time. So I don't know if you know, but when it comes to mass torts, the reason that they can, uh, quote unquote, sue that company is because there's another drug or there's something that happened with that drug that there was an alternative for them to choose that wouldn't have caused as many issues as the other ones. So that's the problem with Truvada. So I don't have additional information in terms of that, but I do have that information where in 2010, they realized there's another drug that won't cause as severe kidney damage or bone loss. All right.
0: I hear you, Grace. All right. So
1: takeaways. Takeaways. So my first takeaway is going to be with the first group of our conversation, right? Uh, Having to do with placing ads or not placing ads. I believe you need to create the strategy for yourself and have it diversified. That is the most important thing. Your marketing strategy needs to be diversified to be able to be agile enough to handle any crisis situation, whether you have a crisis strategy or not. What do you think, Leon? Yes,
0: I agree. You should, no matter what, have a a diverse uh, marketing strategy. The more platforms you're on, the more sources you are using to drive business to your law firm, so... That's pretty much the main driver to why you want to do this. But then when you have situations like what just happened now, you have more flexibility to respond and to take actions that align better with your business goals and particularly values and principles. Now, Grace, I really think that... Um, you can have a diverse digital marketing strategy or marketing strategy as a whole, but if you don't have the crisis response action plan in place and thought out ahead of time, then you're still going to struggle and you are potentially may have had all the best intentions of doing something, of shifting things, turning things around, but you're just not going to be able to execute uh, in the midst of that happening and all of the other things that you need to take care of. So. That would be my thing to keep in mind when it comes down to that.
1: So I would say that's takeaway number two, because it's so important, particularly with what happened at the Capitol, right? And everything that's going on in the last few months, have a crisis management plan. Make sure that you know who's responsible for what and be agile enough to address any emergency that comes up, including having to pull your ads if you have to.
0: Yeah, Grace. I mean, 100%, right? Just think, n- not to dramatize, right? But mm-hmm. just think about the law firms who were three, four blocks away mm. from the capital, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're not just thinking about advertising, they're thinking about many other things. So, it is extremely important to um, understand that, you know, crisis can arise unexpectedly, and it's important to have a plan. Grace, one more takeaway. Let's make it a mass torts takeaway. That's what I was going to
1: do. So um, mass torts. My takeaway in this case is take a look. You know, this is kind of the same idea of diversifying your marketing strategy, right? If you're in PI or if you're in criminal, it really doesn't matter what law you're in. If you're a lawyer and you understand enough about mass torts, and you're involved with the information about the mass tort. It's a good strategy to get involved as if it's something that you can do, right? If you have additional funds or it's something that you, you know, that you can put money into, and it's not going to hurt your business. This is another, uh, service. This is another practice area. This is another, uh, business line for your law firm. So think about it, take a look at it. And, um, you know, you can contact us at leadersinmashtorts.com. We'll be more than happy to talk you through some of these mass torts and what's going on including the mdls and where they might be in the litigation i promise i do have white papers on all the different ones so i'll be uh, happy to share it with you but yeah i think people should take a look at mass torts just think about it as a, an additional potential strategy and there's tons of information out there on the different torts that are out there not as much information as we would like i think but you can always contact somebody like myself, you know, or Liel for the marketing components of it. And um, if you talk to him about the criteria, as you can see, he can drill it down to exactly what you need on Facebook. So yeah, that's yep. my takeaway
0: when it comes criteria to Criteria and segmentation are pretty much one and the same. Yep. Grace, great advice, diversify. It's the beginning of the year. Masters is always an interesting option and world to explore. Grace, thank you again for another great conversation. We'll be back next week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you very much. Thank Have you. Have a great rest of your week, Grace. You too. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.